Hello, everyone, and welcome to something very special, an, an inaugural episode of Understanding the IU here at Carbon Lehigh Intermediate Unit number 21. My name is Dominic Barone. I'm the media facilitator here. I'm with our executive director, Dr. Elaine Ibe, and our assistant to the executive director, Kim Talapan. Ladies, how are we doing today? Fine. Thank you. Doing well. Thank you. So like we just kind of discussed before we started, part of this podcast and what we want to do is just shed light on what we do in its entirety and totality more than, I don't want to say just special education, but more than the obvious of what I feel like most people perceive us to be. I know we just celebrated, what was it, 50 years or 75, 50 years? 50 years, yes. Um, so one of the things that I kind of wanted to start with was just talk about our history and maybe just the, specifically the past 10 to 12 years you two have been working together. Talk about just when you two kind of first took the executive office. Well, I started here in 2010 as the executive director. And for the first year, just so I could also understand my new role as the executive director of an intermediate unit, a sizable one, I did not have an assistant executive director at the time. And then we moved into the direction of getting an assistant executive director. And then as I got to know Kim Talapan as our director of human resources, I realized, you know, that her wealth of knowledge and skill and her work ethic were so much that I would consider her to be an excellent candidate as the assistant to the executive director. So she started seven years ago in that in that role eight years I think maybe nine now. is it nine okay it all blends together so oh, maybe yeah, yeah it does so it's, it's, right. time flies yeah time flies so yeah she's been the assistant to the executive director eight to nine years at this point mm -hmm. and so what has that been like for you to come from from a human resources background to now in a more educational leadership role than just employment recruitment retention things mm -hmm. like that it's very exciting. When Elaine gave me this opportunity, we had a leader who was so committed to intermediate units. She came here you know, wanting to lead an intermediate unit, understanding the services that they provided, and uh, you know, inspired our team to be sure that we were you know, offering the highest level of quality and a variety of services um, to our school. So for me, it was even though I had an HR view, it also expanded the immense amount of services that we offer. And I know this is a, a very large and broad question, but can we talk about the history of the IU and kind of where we started in 1971 to kind of how we've evolved 50 years later to where we are now? Well, what I know is it is a long history. Uh, the General Assembly of Pennsylvania established the intermediate units in 1971, I believe, as a way to help regionalize educational services. I think its design originally was to see if there is a way to be more cost-effective by regionalizing our efforts, helping other school districts that don't have larger, as large capacity as some of the other schools. So an intermediate unit, uh, which predominantly we do work with special education students, you know, would assist in providing those services to some of our, some, some special education uh, students who are, whose needs are more complex and, and multiple in nature. And that I think was the gist. And then of course, over the course of time, the intermediate units were able to regionalize and create consortiums efforts with 
various things as we moved into technology, for example, and, and uh, teacher induction and, and professional development. Um, we have schools that are small that may not even have a director of curriculum and the superintendent is running that, that part of the, the, the work. And so how much more helpful can it, can it be to have an intermediate unit that can actually step in and ensure that that particular school district is getting the same quality and information that's relevant to education that a bigger school would be getting. And those are the, those are the things that we've done over the course of time, and it's evolved. Kind of getting into that, I kind of want to start with our next topic of what services do the IUs provide. We can just start with kind of what publicly is the most obvious, and that's just our special programs and services, special needs education. Obviously, it would be great if Dr. Scott was here, but we'll save that for another day. But can we just talk about, you know, how we also have our own buildings as well as we are part of every public school in, for, for the most part? Sure. So as part, as part of our special programs and services, uh, they have a layered approach of support to our schools. We do run classrooms in our school districts to serve the most fragile and needy and most exceptional, wonderful students in our two counties. We also run our center-based programs that are even more specialized to serve the students. But we have related services, um, occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech and learning. We offer services to early intervention, uh, which is a very large portion of the services at, uh, at this intermediate unit. In addition, we serve our districts through trauma-informed care. Uh, we have a set of resiliency teachers that go out to assist teachers to better handle the trauma experienced by students in their classrooms. Uh, uh, we provide networking programs uh, for administrators uh, from school psychologists, social workers, another big area that we um, provide support to, to directors of special programs, of special education in our school district. So the special uh, services department uh, missed work-based learning. The, uh, Project Search uh, is is it's it's a layered approach uh, where uh, they're there the the program is there to assist our districts um, on varied needs. And it's kind of like I said, coming into this, I've only been here a little less than a year. Just the and of course I'm a little biased, but the entire CNI department and what they do—that's just a department I didn't even know existed. And of course, <clears throat> when you're in the office with these guys and, and, and gals. It makes a lot of sense why they're there, and just, but from a public perspective, you date, they're really unsung heroes. Growing up, you know, whenever you go to school, a teacher is out of the classroom; it's just out of sight, out of mind. But they're here, getting professional development, or they're at a conference or a convention somewhere else, like Hershey, Seven Springs, or something like that. Um, so it's kind of wild. All the things like occupational therapy. Before this, I took this job. I would have not thought of some of these things outside of your emotional support, autism interventionists, anything that's really upfront special needs education. Has that evolved in over the years? Have we been adding these services over time or has this kind of been something from 1971? So I'll, I'll take the curriculum and instruction educational technologies department that you just spoke about. That is a powerful, powerful a department that has great need in our schools. They have so many responsibilities, one of which is to always get in front of 
the new research, the new ideas, the progressive programmings in education, and to vet those things, which is also very important because there's literally thousands of ideas. And when do you decide, how do you decide which I'm going to use and which I'm not going to use? And how do we deliver these to our schools? So there is a real network effort to decide, you know, okay, here are these five things that seem to be trending consistently. And we also see that the Pennsylvania Department of Education is sanctioning them as well. So therefore, these are things we need to get in front of. They have to learn about these things and know them very, very well to be able to come to our school districts, of which we have 14, and explain clearly what they are, how they work, why they're important, and how our schools will either op need to opt in or at some point may be required to utilize some of these things, depending. So then our curriculum and instruction department has to be trained in those things so that we can deliver the professional learning to all of the teaching staff in our schools, of which, again, we have 14, and uh, to do it in, in a way so that they become masters of this, whatever this is, whatever it is yeah. that we're, we're, we're doing. And so, yeah, it's important. It, I, I'm a big believer that we need to vet things. I'm a big believer that everyone, every vendor is going to say their product is the best, right? Um, and it's important that we vet, and that means, you know, doing cross-sectioning of, of evaluations, uh, talking to other school districts, seeing who's using it, who hasn't used it, who's has it been piloted. I mean, there's various ways in which you evaluate whether a program is going to make its way in front of our joint council and our superintendents as something that we as an IU believe is important for them to learn. And I think be, because we've done that um, in such a really particular way that um, our schools listen to us because we're not throwing at them all of these great, shiny new things that they can be doing. So that department really does a great job uh, making sure that these programs work. And then they have to decide which of the six of them are going to be you know, the experts in this particular thing and the expert in that particular thing yeah. and divvy that up that as well. Because as I say, we have you know, quite a few school districts and some of them are large districts, some of them are small. The larger ones might need, um, you know, um, they're going to need more people to be trained. Uh, the smaller districts are going to need probably fewer people to be trained, but more often because there's no one up top that can necessarily, they can run to, so they're going to need the IU. So it's, it's interesting, really. Uh, it's fascinating, and it, I think it's exciting, but it, it's, it's a heavy lift. It's almost, like they're, uh, it's almost like they're tech support. Like when a school district has a problem, they call, when it comes to ESL, they're calling Kristen Adams. When, they're coming, when it's science and tech, they're talking to uh, Mr. Mirabito and, and, and D. Uli. So All the time. All the time. And, and yes, when I was an assistant superintendent and a superintendent, I did the same thing. That's how I became so close to my intermediate units because I saw the value. I was a superintendent in a very small school. I, I, I performed uh, as a curriculum director, and there were things I wanted to do, and I couldn't do them by myself. So I had to solicit the, uh, the help of my intermediate unit, and it's the only way I could have done the great work that I wanted to do for the kids in those small rural areas that deserve 
the same kind of professional development, the teachers deserve the same kind of professional development as the kids down in some of the more well-resourced areas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to talk about, I know we just got into CNI, which is like a, a, a massive idea, an even more massive idea, special programs and services. Um, what are we going to say? Well, but there's just a few. There, we have unsung heroes, and we want to make sure we don't, but we have transportation. And we, oh, yes. we, we, we transport the, the not every Not every place has their own transportation right, department. And we transfer- Sometimes they're outsourced to first student, Brandywine, et cetera. So, and they do an exceptional job every day. And when you're talking about evolving you know, behavioral health, you know, we have a behavioral health that doesn't exist in you know, all locations. And it's been a true challenge the last several years when it's needed most and truly a, a, a commitment um, by Dr. Ibe uh, and um, our MIS department. A department that provides networking and uh, supports the student information systems and besides just a normal computer tech that happens every day. So to your, to your comment, your observation, we have evolved, you know, in that entire time to serve very unique needs. One of the things I wanted to talk about, we just talked about carbon in Lehigh counties. Can we just briefly explain the coverage areas, maybe not in as more of an idea, not exactly our, our lines. We serve Carbon and Lehigh counties, but there's nowhere in Pennsylvania that goes without coverage of an IU, correct? Every school district is covered. That That is correct. The Pennsylvania Association of Intermediate Units is the overarching, I guess, coordination at the state level that works with all 29 intermediate units. There are 29 throughout the Commonwealth, and each of those intermediate units has a geographical area. Mm-hmm. Um, in our particular case, as you said, it's two counties. Some have one county, Bucks County, for example, Montgomery County, because of the density of the population. Right. Um, and then there are other places out in the middle of the state that have more geography than population. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's the entire state. And it's, and, and it's awesome that no one goes without, regardless of strength. Or I, We understand some IUs are more complex than others. Well, some, some might have more resources, so they might have more people. And it really, it comes down to how many human beings can I deploy? Yeah, that's and, right. Ex- right. So PAIU, the nice thing about the Pennsylvania Association of Intermediate Units, PAIU, brings together all of us. And that is a that statewide association has really evolved because we've become PAIU has become more aware of some of the places in the state that don't have the capacity because they don't have people. So we might develop partnerships. So something that Carbon Lehigh Intermediate Unit is doing, we might be able to partner with IU-10 or IU-13, I'm not 1310, or or one of the others that don't have the capacity. So therefore, their schools, their staff get the readiness to help their schools do the same kinds of things that the other schools are doing. As far as our coverage area, do we see with our neighboring ones more, like you were talking about, more resource deployment to one another or working together? Do we see that a lot with like 20? I know like uh, IU25 came up for our toy shop adaptation, which I thought was awesome because they're going to start their own. Uh, That's Delaware County. We, We partner, like I said. I do think it's very normal for an intermediate unit that wants to start something to look at what what it is another IU is doing. Uh, We've done that and so learn from other intermediate units that have already done it so you don't, you know, know, reinvent something. 
we there might be instances where one IU has devoted a lot of resources to a particular program, but other IUs might want to take part in that program but don't have the capacity to invest in it. So they might send students to, I mean, we have an enhanced autism, for example, which not, I, I don't think too many people, too many intermediate units in the state have, and we're one of the only ones that do. So there's a tendency for some of our schools outside of our footprint, if you will, that might send some students to our program. One of the last things I want to get to, we, I know we're talking about broad things, obviously, with this pilot pro, with this pilot episode of understanding the IU. I know this is very broad, but as far as public perception, you know, when I first came in, I just thought of it as helping kids with autism, helping kids with Down syndrome. I didn't really think of it as deaf and hard of hearing, vision, you know, the, the fact that we have a Braille printer <laughs> that, that prints your scripts or whatever you want in Braille is astonishing. And then these kids have these iPads that literally the letters come up through like, you know, like a piece of uh, like, like rubber or something that's very flexible. So when they read the line, the line goes to the next sentence and it brings up a whole new line of Braille, which is wild. But as far as perception, I, do you... Do you like that maybe we're a little bit more of a of a, of a backseat kind of a support to these school districts instead of being as as out front as maybe other people might think? You know, I, I think I think the IU's there when people need us. It's bottom line. You know, at times do we come out and are we in the forefront with our recent uh, with the bikes uh, and uh, you know the, the the good work that's done by our foundation and the bikes that are given to students in need. Uh, so once in a while we do you know come out and at the forefront, but in the end we are behind the scenes and we've really just touched on real high level today. But the intricacies of how we are there when our school parents, students, school districts, um, career and technical institutes. Uh, when they need us, we're there for them. I, I think that really sums it up. We're a service organization. We, we really are. Um, it, I think it's fine for us to be behind the mm -hmm. scenes because we, we, anywhere help is needed, that's where we go. We might be asked directly uh, by a school or we might see the help that's needed and offer it. So that's just the nature of who we are. We don't need to be in the forefront of it. Because at the end of the day, truly, we are an educational service agency, and we want to just ensure that our schools are successful in their mission of ensuring students learn. And that's really it in a nutshell. And however we can be helpful in doing that is how we want to do it. And um, yeah, I, I think that you know, there are times when some of our schools will say, hey, you know, I, I contacted the intermediate unit, and they really helped us with this. And sometimes that may not happen. That's fine with us. However... It happens so that you can fulfill your mission is all we care about. What I've noticed when I when I talk to people out in public, they say, oh, what, what are you doing these days? And they say, I work for the IU. They either have no clue or their lives have been impacted by the IU and they know exactly what we do. True. And I feel like it's, it's one or the other. It's like an IU. True. And so what I usually say is, oh, we're a public education support agency. And that's just as a nice way to get in and out of a conversation, just mm -hmm. explain to someone what an IU is. But when I tell them, oh, have you ever heard of IU21? The one guy's like, 
yeah, I used to I used to drive bus there for twenty years, or it or it's uh, yeah, my wife's an IA, or my son has autism, and 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 he he, you know, yeah. has been a student for X amount of years. So I feel like either people don't <laughs> know who we are at all, mm-hmm. or we've impacted their lives in one way or another. And then obviously if you ask a school teacher, all school teachers are going to know what an IU is, whether they've got received professional development or they work here. But all teachers know what an IU is. It just depends on how much they're involved. But when it comes to parents out in the street, so to speak, it's either I have no clue where you work or I've used your services or your services have been in my life. And I think that's kind of awesome in its own weird way. I also tell them that you can't drive anywhere in the Lehigh Valley and not see one of our buses. It is so funny because when I had my interview with Eric Lack, he goes, well, what do you know about CLIU? And I'm like, well, I see your buses everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) But other than that, (laughs) you know, so now we're going to wrap up this episode. I love that. I love, I know what we talked about is such enormous uh, hot air balloon ideas um, it's almost too big to kind of encapsulate, which is why I'm so excited for season one of Understanding the IU. We're going to dive into things a little deeper. Um, episode two is Who is IU 21? I know we talked about IUs in general. Episode three, we'll be talking about you. It'll just be you and I, Dr. I'm just talking about 12 years in this position. And then episode four, we're going to get George in here and we're going to talk about the foundation the Special Needs Children's Foundation. So I'm excited to talk about us as a group more definitively than just these grand philosophical ideas. Um, is there anything else you ladies would like to add before we before we uh, conclude? I love talking about the intermediate unit. I, as you can tell, I love it. I love what we do. Um, and um, I am an advocate. I always have been, even before I became a member of the staff, and um, I just think we are very fortunate in the state of Pennsylvania to have educational service agencies because not every state has them, and uh, we're very fortunate. And has just the work that we do is it it's the best. It really truly is. Mm-hmm. I'm honored to be here, and I'm, <laughs> I'm always honored and humbled when we have the opportunity cool. to talk about everything the SIU does. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, thank you, Dr. Ibe, Kim. Thank you so much for. For joining us today. This is episode one of Understanding the IU. Hope we did our best within half an hour. We're reaching 24 minutes, which is right where we wanted it. I can't wait for the next episode. We'll schedule that. And thank you so much. And thank you for listening to Understanding the IU.